Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, baby, live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com. And uh, where you'll find everything, including uh, the live only, the, excuse me, the audio only live stream. Wow. Uh, And also links to our social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And uh, finally, you'll find links to the podcast as well. And of course, broadcasting each and every day across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Uh, So good morning uh, and uh, welcome to the program. It is Tuesday, which means it's time for the weekly top three. We're going to be joined by Brad Keithley here in just a hot second where we get to go over three of the big items that are facing us in fiscal issues. Uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets uh, going to be handling that with us. Uh, then in hour two, <clears throat> you and I will do a bit of a recap. I'll talk about some of the highlights of that and some other headlines. And um, then we will be joined at the end of the show today by Christopher Story, the man from Homer, who will uh, come in for our weekly betterment segment, our our PMA, our boost, our positivity, our life coaching lesson. He puts the salve on the wounds that Brad will inflict. I mean, intentionally, Brad just sticks it in and twists that knife. You know, truth is hard, man. Truth is hard. That's the problem. And we're not always ready for it. So that's the show for today. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's let's dive in. Let's let's not put any more spin on this or go any further. Let's just jump right over and get a good start here and uh, talk with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who's back in God's country. Good morning, my friend. Hey, ow. Ooh, ow. He's got a knife. What Letter opener. Stick, stick, sticks it in. Is that the, stick, is that the, sticks the it, new lo- logo? That's it in. Sticks it in and gives it a twist. That's what you do. Son. Man, I've got to tell you, Brad, sometimes the truth, the truth is hard sometimes, right? I mean, it's a little painful. It, uh... We don't necessarily always want to face it, but it's always there. And gee, sometimes it just it just hurts. You know, when you spend your life in spreadsheets, sometimes you don't realize don't realize the the impact of, of when you start talking about the numbers. I mean, I just I, I just run the spreadsheets and I look at the numbers. Yeah. And that's, Brett, that's... Brett's like, I'm only with the numbers. If the numbers kill you, it's not my fault. I mean, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where we're at. It's uh, it's hard though. All right. So today, Brad, we're going to talk about uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some things, and it's all kind of circulating around. Um, the permanent fund and what's going on there in Alaska's fiscal situation. First things first, um, there's no special session coming up. Uh, there was a lot of posturing and kind of some of us already knew this really wasn't going to happen. 
but there was a lot of posturing. And then the ADN put out a story here last week uh, about the fact that uh, the the powers that be have said there's going to be no fiscal session. And then they had a reaction. And so did you. The ADN did. So let's uh, let's start talking about that first. That's number one. (laughs) So. the ADN ran a, well, James Brooks wrote an article for the Alaska Beacon that's been picked up by most of the newspapers in the state. The headline in the ADN version was, no special session this year on fiscal issues, Alaska legislators say. And and yes, I, I we all knew this was coming. We'd known it was coming since Governor Dunleavy vetoed the money that had been appropriated for the special session uh, in the budget, vetoed it out of the budget. Uh, Dunleavy later said, uh, the governor's office later said that uh, they didn't perceive that the legislature wanted to go forward to it, go forward with it. And so they weren't going to push it if the uh, legislature wasn't going to go forward with it. And uh, and and this is the, the story from James Brooks is just confirming, confirming that the legislature doesn't want to go forward with it. There's really nothing new to that aspect of the story. But in reporting on the story, there's a couple of things uh, that I found really interesting. Uh, in the body of the story. And the first is uh, Speaker Kathy Tilton, uh, who James interviewed for the story, um, had this to say. And this is this is disturbing, not only from the standpoint of no special session, but from the standpoint of next session. Um, the, the, the comment is this, continued disagreement over the elements of a comprehensive fiscal plan have members of the House now preparing to advance bills separately rather than as a comprehensive whole, said Speaker of the House, Kathy Tilton. We've realized that we don't have the numbers to come to a consensus on a full plan with lots of components. Maybe we'll try to focus on something that takes care of the permanent fund dividend issue, like HJR 7, and HJR 7 is the proposed constitutional amendment that would would constitutionalize uh, the PFD. We need to go back to the, I mean, that to me, that's a recipe for failure. We need to go back to the, uh, the fiscal policy working group and recall their advice after they, you know, this is, this is members of the legislature from both the right and left, from both the Republican and the Democrat sides, from both the Senate and the House working together to try to identify something that would work. And, and the, the one theme or a theme that resonated through that entire piece, uh, the entire report that the fiscal policy working group put out was everything's got to work together. That, that some things are important to some players. Other things are important to other players. Still other things are important to other players. And, and if you don't have a comprehensive package that fits all of the various interests, you're not going to have, you're not going to have a vote. You're not going to have a successful vote uh, on any of the pieces. It's all got to come together uh, to work together. I don't think anything has changed since the fiscal policy since the fiscal policy working group put out that piece. And so Tilton's uh, comments about we can't um, continue disagreement over elements of the plan have members of the House now preparing to advance uh, bills separately. Uh, I think that's just a recipe for failure uh, in the coming session. I mean, the coming session is is tough anyway. Oil prices are up. It's an election year. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it, this is an admission, uh, I think, on Tilton's part that that is that is problematic. the The key is that everybody's got to compromise to get to a solution. Nobody's going to get all of what they want. 
you know, the people who who say, oh, it's got to be a full statutory PFD, nothing else. We do that. Then we'll talk about other things. They're not going to get that. The people who say, uh, oh, there's got to be deep budget cuts first before we'll do anything else. They're not going to get that. And you, and you just go on through the entire the entire list and and you don't have enough votes for any one thing to get that out. So uh, I I took this as 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 problematic not only from the standpoint of a special session which as i said we've known for a long time isn't going to happen i take it as problematic from the standpoint of uh, of of the of the ongoing process there's a, another piece in here and i think i may have just lost it from delana johnson another quote in here from delana johnson here it is Representative delana johnson republican palmer and co-chair of the house finance committee said the core of the issue is whether legislators are willing to authorize taxes in order to pay for larger dividends. I think there's a disagreement, and I think it's throughout the legislature, about the idea of whether there should be a tax to pay out a PFD, and that's the crux of it. You know, with, with friends like these, with friends like these, who the hell needs enemies? I, it's right. I had yeah. a I had a little bit of a mini meltdown over this article, specifically over that line when it came out, because I'm like, why do we keep reusing this this tired, battered old argument? Because that's not what it that's not it's not correct. Delana, if you're listening, one more time, PFDs are fully fully paid for. Taxes aren't to pay for PFDs. Taxes are to pay for other government spending. PFDs are covered by statute that you've sworn to uphold by statute from permanent fund earnings. There is no need for taxes to pay for PFDs. They're covered. What taxes are needed for is to cover the remainder of, of government spending. And that's what PFD cuts are. They are taxes on the PFD, isolated, targeted taxes on the PFD in order to pay for government spending. And so <laughs> to say that to say that we need taxes to pay for PFDs is just, Delaney, you're going in the wrong direction. I mean, I mean, you, some of your Democrat colleagues, some of your progressive, Sarah Hannon couldn't have done it better. Um, and and I, you may have been down there too long if, if that's if that's the way you're thinking. So, you know, there's this article also brought out comments other quotes that I that that are problematic. This led the the article and sort of the buildup to this led to a screed from the from the Daily News editorial board, uh, which sometimes I call the Binkley family blog, but I'll try to refrain from that today. <laughs> we'll just call uh, it, we'll just call it a screed instead. Okay, that's it. <laughs> a screed from the from the ADN uh, uh, editorial board uh, in a in a weekend editorial that says. The Alaska legislature's fiscal short-sightedness wears thin, and basically, it's a screed against the PFD and the P and and their view that the PFD holds everything up. Um, and and there's a line in there that goes, "They want to enshrine the dividend in the Alaska Constitution, thus placing its payment ahead of every other fiscal priority, including those like education and public safety that our state's framers considered so important that Alaska's founding documents specifically address the government's responsibility to provide them." Here's here's the core of, I think I think this this editorial actually helped isolate, for me, the core of the problem I have with not only the ADN editorial board but maybe Delana Johnson and and others, they view the PFD as government spending, government spending, right, and and so they line it up as as 
in a priority as less than other government spending like K through 12, health services, public safety, uh, that sort of stuff. They keep moving it down the chain by lining it up uh, against that. And frankly, Delena falls into that same trap. When Delena says you need to, that it'd be taxes to pay for government, to pay for the PFD, what she's really saying is it's you need taxes to pay for the government spend of the PFD. The every account, virtually every economist who's look at, looked at this and, and what influences me, it takes a different, an entirely different view of PFD cuts. They view PFD cuts as revenue and they compare the, whether you ought to be using, whether you ought to be taking PFD cuts, compare that to other revenue sources and find that PFD as a revenue source, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy, have, are, the, are the most regressive, have the harsh, harshest impact, the largest adverse impact on Alaska families, 80% of Alaska families. They take that view because they view it as revenue. And I think, I think to some degree, the real crux of the issue is whether you view PFDs as spending, as the ADM tries to em repeatedly emphasize and, and push it down the, the priority list, or as Natasha or as Bert and others view it and try to push it down the list by comparing it to other spending, or if you view it as I do, and as the economists do, as a source of revenue. And when you view it that way, the PFD is the worst thing you possibly can do. So I've, I, I'm gonna try to start talking about this more, this. This, this difference between viewing it as spending and or viewing it as a source of revenue. I'm going to try right. to talk, start talking about that well, because I think it it helps it helps people understand where this difference is coming from. I would agree with that. Um, and it's so it's so funny because the 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 ADN editorial board continues to I mean, it's like they're mixing metaphors and, and they're getting confused. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me, we don't have any real time left on this segment, but it said maybe there's state residents who are so cynical that they're willing to trade their children's education for a fat government check each year. But that's not Alaskans. At least not the Alaskans we know. Uh, I mean, first of all, I don't. It's not a government check. It's part of our. But okay. Anyway, it goes on and said, despite the mega PFD hardliners' attempts to don the mantle of fiscal conservatism, they've been perfectly happy to spend 18 billion in state savings over the past decade, rather than accept the reality that our revenues can no longer support the have their have their cake and eat it too. I have not met any fiscal conservative that has been okay with the size and scope of state spending. They've wanted you to follow the damn law, pay the PFDs, and live within our means. But see, they're mixing this whole thing together. They're projecting their own feelings on this. They were perfectly okay with the massive government spend. They just didn't want to give you your money to do it. And and that's part of the problem here, is that there is such a mixed uh, a bag of feelings on this thing. And because they believe that it's all just a big government welfare check, they believe they should control it instead of being Alaska's uh, instead of being Alaskans slice of the pie, so to speak. Yeah. They, they don't want to pay for it. Them, they don't want to pay for all the government spending themselves. They don't want to pay for all the true government spending, the K through 12, the, the health, the public safety. They don't want to pay for all that themselves. So they, so they've created this construct where the PFD is spending also. And so we can cut spend, we can cut PFD spending and that's okay. And Hey, we don't have to pay for the other stuff because, because we've done it by cutting the PFD without recognizing that cutting the PFD is taking it out 
isolate, isolating it on middle and lower income Alaska families and, right. and allowing them to escape. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The weekly top three continues. Number two is dead ahead. We will return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, I I read that I read that opinion piece. Uh, I was so agitated after I read that opinion piece because it just it, again. It blames people who were wanting more fiscal responsibility and then lays the $18 billion in spending at their feet because they wanted you to follow the law or change the law and live within our means. And uh, it's just it's just so, so ridiculous overall. And then this idea that somehow we're going to have to take this a piece at a time, which is a, the, the, the fiscal plan a piece at a time, which is exactly what the fiscal policy working group said you can't do. It has to be holistically. And that just nobody can come together. I mean, Brad, does this thing just have to hit the wall and then we got to pick up the pieces? Is that what's going to have to happen here? Well, I hope not, Michael, because, because the, the trajectory we're on Hitting the wall means the PFD is eliminated. I mean, the trajectory right. we're on, um, uh, given where the legislature is, given where the pow- powers that be, the the ADN and others are trying to push it, uh, hitting the wall means the PFD is gone. And and then you know, and then they think, well, once we've used up everybody else's money, <laughs> once we've used up middle and lower income Alaska families' money, then we'll stop it. You know, we'll stop it uh, at that point. We'll stop the spending at that point, but but we're going to use up their money first uh, before before we uh, before we put on the brakes, um, and that's and and that's where the that's where the brakes are. So I I, I I'm I'm going to I fully respect somebody like Ben Carpenter, who's who's gone to the time, the trouble, the effort to to bring. Uh, to try to bring a comprehensive plan together, who's, who's followed up on the fiscal policy working group and tried to bring it together. I don't, frankly, at this point, respect Kathy Tilton as a speaker who's supposed to be driving the train. Maybe you can't drive that train, but who's supposed to be driving the train right. as leadership, uh, who's sort of giving up on it. It, on. it is giving up on it, treating it piecemeal, is the is the re, is the recipe, the tactic to try to kill the PFD, because you're never going to get the PFB, PFD protected on its own through this legislature, um, and through through this or any other legislature. I think we found you're never going to get the PFD protected on its own. And as long as you try to go at this stuff piecemeal, they'll just keep chipping away at the PFD until until it's gone. So you know when you say. I'm going to give up on trying to do a comprehensive plan. We're going to deal with little parts of it. What you're really saying is I'm okay with killing the PFD. And, and that's, that I think is hugely problematic. So I, I I was greatly disappointed when I read that article and I read Tilton's comments. I mean, I just, uh, that's just, you know, if I were Ben, I'd just be banging my head against the wall. I think right right now. Right. Uh, because it, it, because you need leadership 
yes, you got a diverse body. That's why you that's why you run for leader. So you can try to, you know, pull that diverse body together toward objectives. If the objectives of the House Republican uh, majority is to have a fiscal plan, she just just shot it in the head. And I and I don't know what I don't know what the hell the objective is of the House right. Republican. I mean, majority shouldn't this now. be the number one priority of the majority in the House right now is to try and push this above above everything else? Shouldn't every other bill pretty much be sidelined until I mean, shouldn't at this point, shouldn't we use the process uh, the way it's intended and basically table every other bill until we are forced to deal with these issues on the fiscal plan? Because it's going to kill us otherwise. That's what she said. That's what she said. The House Republican majorities. One priority was to develop a fiscal plan, a fiscal plan. Um, and 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 now she's giving halfway through her term as speaker, she's giving up on that plan. I just I, 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 don't, I don't know what I don't know what we're doing to Frank, quite frankly, over on the House. All right, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're ready. I'm getting really frustrated this morning. <laughs> going to need that Chris Story segment by the time this thing is over for sure. All right. Uh, we're going to continue here. Uh, please like and share, like and follow, do all this stuff. Number two is directly ahead. It is like number two. It's number two. This is <laughs> the stinky pile of the weekly top three. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Welcome back. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Brad Keithley, our guest. The weekly top three continues. Oh, oh, oh boy. And uh, this, uh, this time on to number two, we're talking about the PFD. Specifically, the announcement of the PFD that happened this last week. And the reporting on it by the various outlets, Brad has issues with it. I mean, that's surprising. <laughs> that's surprising. Uh, Brad, give it, give it to us. Give it to us here. Well, so the, 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 as is the case when you approach October, the administration announced the PF num PFD number, announced it very proudly. It wasn't any great surprise. We'd known about it. Since the session that it was uh, going to be $1,300 or thereabouts, it turned out to be, what, 1,312. So we got 12 more dollars. 12 whole extra up, dollars. That's, as opposed, as that's two lattes. I mean, it's great. <laughs> um, uh, but we knew, we knew it was going to be that since, uh, since, the, since the, you know, the session ended and the governor signed the bill that, that reflected a $1,300 uh, PFD. It was, it was the manner of the announcement this sort of this sort of bugs me, and and Todd Smolden, God love him, Todd, if you're listening, I you're you're a great man and everything, but Todd Smolden just really sort of encapsulated my problem. Oh boy, hang on a second, computer, come back. Todd Todd Smolden just sort of encapsulated my whole problem uh, with with the the form of the announcement in a tweet he put out yesterday. It says, for those of you who don't know, Todd Smolden is the governor's representative, at least he was, I think he still is, the governor's representative uh, in the Matsu. Um, this, is, this is the tweet he put out. Has the average family of four figured out that they are receiving $10,000 less than they could have because of the latest AKLEG, which stands for the Alaska legislature, the last uh, 
uh, legislature uh, uh, PFD cut. And, and basically what Todd's trying to do is shift the burden, shift the blame for the PFD cut to the leg- legislature, which is where it somewhat belongs, not 100%, but maybe, you know, 60, 67%, two-thirds belongs uh, over with the legislature. But here's the deal. No, Todd, an average family of four hasn't figured out that they're receiving $10,000 less because the governor's announcement, which was the perfect opportunity to make that point, to talk about the PFD cut, the size of the PFD cut at the same time you're talking about the PFD, to have a press release, to have a press statement that would then be reflected in the ADN and in the press elsewhere about how much the size of the PFD cut was, the governor's announcement didn't, did not make that point. The governor's announcement just said, Adam Crumb, smiling, just said, you get $1,312. Aren't you lucky? Aren't you lucky? (laughs) It didn't say you could have gotten, you know, $3,700 or whatever the right number is. You could have gotten a heck of a lot more had it not been for the legislature cutting it down to thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, I would have so, been, I would have been really tempted if I was governor to make Crum or whoever it was, or even the governor himself, to unveil the card like they used to do. Remember, they used to unveil the card like it was a big, you know, like it was a lottery number or something. And I would do that, except it would be the forty-two hundred and seventeen dollars, and I'd go, "Oops." We were going to give you that, but the legislature decided that they needed most of that money. So I'm sorry, this number is not right. Here's the real number, $1,312. The legis- You'll have to take it up with the legislature where your other $3,000 per person went. That's what I would have done. I mean, that, it, it, that sends a strong message. It does. It was the perfect opportunity for the governor to do that. The perfect opportunity to get that in, out in the press, talk about PFD cuts, as a tax or talk about them however you want to talk about them if you don't want to you don't want to say they're a tax the perfect opportunity to get that out there and um and the governor didn't do it uh and in fact you know the smiling announcement of thirteen hundred dollars was just sort of an affront to 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 you know to those of us who think about it in terms of the amount cut so todd no <laughs> no people don't think about it that way because your administration uh, uh, didn't, uh, didn't make it a priority. I, I will say a couple of things. We, so we get a lot of, so we get a lot of articles in, in virtually every paper in the state talking about the $1,300 and, you know, and, and, and how that's, you know, great. And all Aren't that we lucky? Aren't we lucky? Um, I will say, I will say this, cause I, I, I do want to give credit when it's due the ADN reporting side did in the absence of the governor making the point about the cut, the ADN reporting side sort of did a decent job of putting it in context, not fully. And I'll, and I'll add where I complain about it in just a moment, not fully, but they sort of put it in, in decent context. For example, they led with a chart that shows the inflation adjusted amounts of the PFD over time and shows that this PFD is one of the smaller, after after inflation adjustments, this PFD is one of the smaller PFDs uh, on record. And I think at least putting it in the context, if you're not going to talk about it as a cut, at least putting it in the context of inflation adjusted was uh, a good thing. The, the, the ADN also, at the very end, um, 
included this paragraph. The payment is much smaller than the $2,700 payment back by the House Republicans earlier this year, and still less than the $3,900 dividend that Republican Mike Dunley, Governor Mike Dunleavy proposed in his budget draft last year. So at least that paragraph is sort of putting it in the context of, of a cut. But then they entirely undo it with the last sentence, which is both options would have committed the state to spending hundreds of millions of dollars, dollars more than it had in revenue. And, and, it, and, and that sentence ties, I mean, it goes back to the first point we were making today, that, that sentence ties the, the PFD to spending, says that you would have had to have had additional revenues to have a higher PFD. No, <laughs> you needed additional revenues to, to avoid the PFD cut, to avoid using PFD as taxes, PFD cuts as taxes. You, you didn't need that additional revenue in order to pay, the, pay out the PFD. The PFD is fully funded from, from the earnings reserve. So the ADN sort of helped put it in context with, with the inflation adjustment and sort of helped put it in context, sort of helped put it in context by mentioning the the higher numbers that the House Republicans and the governor initially started out with, but then they sort of undid it with the with the reference uh, with the reference at the end to saying, you know, we 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 would have had to have more revenues in order to pay for a higher for a higher uh, PFD. No, we needed more revenues in order to pay for all the other spending that was going on. Um, it is uh, it, it is it is disappointing. I can't I can't stress enough how disappointing it is that this governor and i guess the legislature because i don't i didn't see any quotes from any of the legislators to this point it is disappointing that we didn't put this pfd in the context of spending cuts uh it's disappointing to see someone from the administration complain about people not understanding not having the opportunity to understand how much was taken out of taken out of their pocket when in fact the administration had it within their power to have put that number in to have put how much was was being cut uh, in. So I think I think there's a missed opportunity here, both by the administration and by legislators. Um, and I think the press just ran ran off in the wrong direction again, uh, because those who have the power to help direct the press and the administration chose not to do it. Hasn't this been, though, a problem overall with the Dunleavy administration for the last two or three years is that they just have not engaged and taken advantage of opportunities for public outreach and for reaching out to their base? Um, and engaging that base that would be receptive to that message. I mean, that, that seems to me that seems to be a misstep by the current administration is that they've just stopped engaging the public on this issue. He's really stopped talking about it. He stopped talking about anything to the to the Alaska public. To anything, yeah. But this specifically, the, the, the administration has been intimidated. This administration has been intimidated. Uh, you know, however tall. The governor is. He's been intimidated by the legislature, by the by the pushback in 2019 uh, uh, of, of the of the recall effort, um, and by subsequent uh, calls by legislative leaders like Gary Stevens and Bert Stedman and others, who have who have you know have praised him sort of when he's been quiet and gone along with them and roll and, and allowed them to roll him, uh, and then criticized him as being you know not mature or whatever the heck they criticize him as when he's, when he's tried to stand up for the Alaskans that elected him. So it's, it, it's consistent with the intimidation that the, that this administration has shown uh, uh, since 2019 is consistent with uh, 
them them allowing themselves to be rolled by the administration since 2019. Disappointing as hell, uh, but but consistent with that. <clears throat> we, you know, the, the, that's part of the problem. Again, I would have just stood up and told people uh, at the beginning of that press conference uh, on the uh, first of all, I as governor, I would have done it. I would have done it because the governor usually did it. I wouldn't have put the I wouldn't have put a lackey in there. I wouldn't have put crumb in there as the guy to do it. I would have done it. And I would have done again the two cards. The first one that falls down is, oh, look, it was forty two hundred. Oh, no. See, it would have been this. But the legislature decided that they knew better how to spend your money than you did. So right, really what you're getting is next call for ca- uh, card falls you're really only getting 1312 But be lucky that you're getting that, that the legislature allowed you to have that much. I mean, play it up for all it's worth. They could call you whatever names they want, but the people would see it. It would be a shocking comparison. They would understand it. I mean, I just don't know why it... I just don't know why he's not engaging it more. Like you said, he has been intimidated, but what are they going to do? Vote him out of office? He's, I mean, at this point, you're done. Just go ahead. You're on a lame duck. Do it. Well, yeah, I think the long-term plan by 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 those who manipulate the governor is to for to get him to run against Lisa, and they just don't want to do. They don't care about Alaska, frankly. It's just it's just all focused on getting him ready to run for Lisa, and they don't want him to suffer the slings and arrows of another uh, of another recall effort or another you know criticism by the legislature they just want him to go along and get along hell it got him elected you know in the in the last election got him reelected of course there weren't any other candidates to to talk about but but got him reelected in the last in the in the last election so i think they just i think his handlers just want him to go along to get along and just don't want him to you know, to, to ruffle feathers and, and, you know, to go on Fox and talk about, yeah. you know, the Biden administration and rail against the Biden administration, file all sorts of uh. suits against the Biden administration and prepare him to run against Lisa. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, Alaska, the, the fact that he's governor of Alaska and Alaska has taken, takes it in, takes a hit because, because he doesn't want to battle for Alaskans. I, I, that's just, you know, that's just part of the collateral damage, I suppose. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, is our guest. Uh, number three, Brad, real quick, give me a 20-second tease here for number three. Number three is, what, what I just lost it. Number three is uh, uh, an op-ed by Devin Mitchell, uh, who's the head of the Permanent Fund Board, talking about what the Permanent Fund, permanent fund basically talking about the Permanent Fund's plans for the future. Uh, and I want to talk about what those plans are and why I think that's uh, that's a problem. And why they're coming out so visually and so publicly about it as well. All right. Brad Keithley continues with us. We will be back with more. The number three of the weekly top three continues. Go put on your battle dressing and come back. Don't bleed out during the commercial break. We'll get uh, We'll get some more here. Back with more right after this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. <sighs> that it's 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 just so painful to watch. I mean, I don't know how uh, 
I just don't know how his advisors can continue to look him in the face and he or he can just be like, I'll just sit in the corner here waiting for my next election uh, because I'm going to be senator. Or what? I mean, you still got a job to do. You need to stand up. You got elected twice. Well, I mean, what the hell? Stand up for Alaskans. Do what's need. Engage them. Talk with them. Do the things that need to be done. Stop listening to these political Muppet masters who, who think that, oh, God. I'm just so frustrated. So frustrated that, with this whole thing. That's that's not what he's about, Michael. He's not about being the governor of Alaska anymore. He's about being a candidate in some fashion, being a candidate for Senate to run against Lisa. I mean, that's that's what he's about right now. And and he doesn't that's the priority, right? That's in his mind, that's the priority. And in in my view, that's the priority. And he doesn't want to do anything. His advisors, I'm not sure what Mike himself thinks about anything anymore but his advisors don't want him to you know suffer slings and arrows along the way they want him to stay this perfect you know candidate that doesn't get criticized that's always standing up for conservatives and and uh, you know and always taking on the biden administration complaining about something do, do you have that chart that i that i sent you can you put that yeah, chart up on the... yeah hold on a second i apologize i gotta pull it and put it up there no, no, real no. quick uh i got no, that's uh... okay i just i it, it makes it makes the point that we're talking about in a different way and this is the sort of thing that that if I, if either of us were legislators of course neither of us have been elected to anything yeah well you were you were elected to something but, I, but I, yeah neither of us have been elected to any current office but this is the sort of thing that i think you know would resonate with alaskans your idea of of you know having the the chart of you know whatever the number would have been i think the number would have been thirty four hundred dollars after the calc after they came out with the 1312 i it gave me some precise numbers to work with so um it, but your idea of of having the thirty four hundred dollars and then you know striking it out or having another card saying that that that's that's a great one and uh, and something the 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 administration certainly could have done but this one this chart to me sort of sort of brings the point home in a different way this chart shows what the level of the pfd would have been that's the numbers at the top what the level of the pfd would have been uh had it been paid according to the statutory formula um and then in blue it shows the number of the pfd that was paid the portion in red is the amount that was cut the amount that was taxed and at the on the top of the chart i've got a statement uh, uh uh, Matt Berman's statement uh, from earlier this year, let's be honest, a cut in the PFD is a tax, the most regressive tax ever proposed. And the amounts in red are showing the amount of uh, the amount of the tax. The line uh, that's running through the chart is the percentage of the cut. Uh, in other words, the tax rate on the PFD that that essentially the uh, uh, the legislature enacted. And it shows over the course of the last since 2017, when they started this, in none of those years has the has the legislature paid the full statutory PFD. Um, in all of those years, they have been deep cuts. The average, I have the average at the end. The average over the over the course of the since 2017 has been a 52% cut in the statutory PFD that Alaskans would have received on average about $3,000, $3,100 as the PFD. On average, they received $1,500, half of that um, as the the PFD. 
And and I that's the sort of thing that I think um, I think would resonate with Alaskans, showing what the number would have been, and what the and and the amount that's been cut, the amount that the legislature. I mean, I'll give it to Dunleavy. I the amount the legislature has cut. I'll take him off the hook for that. The amount the legislature uh, has cut, and and that would be you know if you and I are both saying the same thing. If that were the announcement that we were making that we would, we wanted to pay you. We would have paid you. I proposed to pay you in the case of FY 24, $3,400 after all the numbers were in and after all the calculations were done, $3,400. But the legislature only appropriated to you $1,300. They took $2,000 out of your pocket, you know, extrapolate it to families of four. They took $8,000 out of your pocket. Um, if the legislature, if, if, if they would do that, I think that would resonate. And if the administration did that, as opposed to me doing it on, on your show, no offense, but the, the press doesn't live or die by what we do on the show. If, if, if the administration did that, the press would be forced to pick it up. So yeah. anyway, I, that, that's the sort of point that we should be making when we have the PFD announcements, not goody, goody, you get $1,300. Right. It would have been, you know, $3,400. You only get thirteen. Uh, quickly, here's Rob's comment. Uh, here's a question everyone is missing. Is using PF uh, earnings as your primary source of government revenue a good idea? We haven't even got into that. Is that a good idea as well? All right, we're jumping back into it. Brad Keithley is our guest. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're back. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. The weekly top three continues. Uh, let's get into number three, which is the direction that the Permanent Fund Corporation is going, their pieces that they're putting out, and the overall kind of direction and push you can see coming down the pike here. Brad? So Devin Mitchell, uh, who's, the, who's the new uh, recently appointed uh, uh president of the permanent fund uh corporation wrote an opinion piece uh in the adn and well all the state newspapers um and the the headline that's given it in the adn is providing for generations of alaskans and it talks about you know how the the, the work of the permanent fund corporation and what they're doing essentially it's a preset for two things the, the the column is a preset for two things one it's a preset for the for the annual report that the permanent fund is going to be publishing this week, incorporating the results of the last fiscal year. And the results of the last fiscal year were, were not great. I mean, they were good compared to compared to some market measures, but they were not great. It got an overall 5% return, which that's the, that's the inflation that includes inflation. So after you subtract the 8% inflation, uh, the real rate of return was a minus 3%. Uh, actually lost money from a, from an inflation standpoint. Um, and so it, they weren't great. And it's sort of a preset, try to vote. You know, if you got bad news, get it out there quickly and get it with your spin on it as opposed to, as opposed to uh, letting somebody else spin it for you. So it's, part, it's in part a preset for that. 
And it's in part a preset for what uh, they re he refers to as the trustees paper uh, number 10 that's that's in that's being that's in draft stage. And and he says it's going to be released either later this year or early next next year. What trustees paper 10 is going to be is a push to eliminate to to to, cons to have a, a, a constitutional amendment to consolidate the earnings reserve with the permanent fund corpus and then and then take away the permanent fund earnings, take away the 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 the, the flexibility of the permanent fund earnings, just consolidate it all together. Put it and all then into the have corpus, the, yeah. I'm sorry? Put it all into the corpus basically and make the corpus right. attainable. Right. And then and then just have the POMB work off the corpus. And you and you what you do is you take away the the flexibility that the earnings reserve has has for you. And as part of this push, I mean, we talked we talked about this on a couple of shows back. I think, as part of this push, the 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 permanent fund corporation has started contorting their uh, their their financial statements to make the earnings reserve look, you know, like it's almost out of money or almost running out of money, uh, and and that you know we have to do this before the permanent fund earnings reserve runs out of money or there's not going to be enough money in the earnings reserve. Forget about dividends; they'll be gone. There's not going to be much, enough money in the earnings reserve to pay uh, the POMB to, to pay for pay for government and pay inflation proofing uh, to go back to uh, to go back to the permanent fund corpus. And so his article, while it's couched in, oh look at all the great things the permanent fund corporation does, it's really centered on trying to do those two things: one, taking the sting out of the bad news that's going to come from the annual report, and two pushing the trustees paper as a, as a, as a, as a way forward. It, it's sort of a, I mean, we're sort of backing in to a, to a campaign here at the same time, the same week, um, James Brooks did a, uh, did an interview with Alaska public media. And the headline of that is Alaska heading toward fiscal brick wall that could force end the PFD formula debate. Actually, what, what it's trying to say is Alaska heading toward fiscal brick wall that could force end the PFD. And again, it's built around this, this, this problem that the PFD permanent fund corporation is trying to create with the earnings reserves. Um, and then there's a, so that's sort of the, another step in the, in the effort, in this effort, this building campaign to, to, to undo the, the earnings reserve. And then today I was noticing as I was getting ready for the show, listening to your great music, lead-in music, by the way. Uh, I, I noticed this article in the Alaska Beacon that's published this morning, uh, headline, Alaska Permanent Fund Improves After Money Losing Year, But Withdrawals Still Exceed Earnings. Um, the, the corporation's earnings need average 5% plus rate of inflation to be sustainable. Over the past five years, the corporation hasn't done that. And it's and basically, this whole article is built around you know the the stress on the earnings reserve and the need to to merge the earnings reserve uh, into the into the permanent fund corpus. So we've got a we've got a camp a political campaign being built here right. using you know Devin's uh, article commentary editorial in the in the various papers around the state. They're going to use the annual report for the same purpose. They're going to use this trustees paper number ten coming up uh, for the same purpose. Interestingly. Though interestingly, I'll say this: uh, in the in the um, uh, September newsletter put out by the Legislative Finance Division, which got uh, uh, highlighted to me last night, uh, there's a segment in there talking about the year-end balance headline: year-end balances and projections. And 
it talks about why the legislative finance division, whenever it publishes numbers, focuses on projected year-end numbers or actual year-end numbers, as opposed to monthly numbers. And it says this, third monthly figures only include balance, uh, only include investment returns for part of the year, which may understate the expected year-end balance. Given how volatile investment returns can be from month to month, we try to avoid putting too much stock in investment returns until late in the fiscal year. In our fiscal summaries, we use year-end projected figures and only update those values when better information is available from audited financial figures. Monthly cash balances are often misleading and should be used with extreme caution. Well, it's ex exactly those monthly balances that, that legislative finance is criticizing that the PF Permanent Fund Corporation is using to create this all this right. concern Panic. about, the, about right. the permanent fund earnings. Right, creating so, the crisis so they can, they can they can offer the solution for the crisis. They're using those monthly numbers uh, as well. It's uh, I mean it's it's astonishing that this is the direction that the that uh, they're going in. And as I've said many many times, the pot of money, that big fat pot of money, the corpus, is the ultimate target and goal. This push to eliminate the ERA and give the POMV access to the corpus is the biggest run at the permanent fund we've ever seen. And it's almost a stealth run. They couch it in different terms so you don't understand that this is going to give them access to that big pot of money and they're going to be they're going to they're going to get access to it and they're going to try and take it. That's the whole game plan here. If if you remember the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago, I was going through my waterfall chart that said that 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 showed how they get down to this very low balance for the ERA and then build it back up. Uh, to show the adjustments that should be made for it. Um, and, and we published those, we published that chart monthly as part of our investment series. The latest one got published on Saturday for people who want to, who want to go look at it uh, as part of a, our, on Alaskans for fiscal or for sustainable budgets, uh, Facebook page that got published on Saturday. Um, interestingly enough, one of the adjustments we make is to, is to restore a, a deduction that the permanent fund corporation makes for next year's, uh, 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 POMV draw. Not not only do they reduce the permanent fund earnings of balance for the current year's POMV draw and for the current year's inflation proofing. Hell, they even take out next year's POMV draw to try to get to try right. to get the number as low as they can. And the and the legislative finance division criticizes that approach as well in the September newsletter. So I feel somewhat vindicated. Right. Well, I mean, it, here's my biggest question, Brad. The PFD, they're talking about it. It's going to hit the wall. PFD is going to disappear. We know, based on past performance of legislatures, that even if the PO, even if the PFD completely disappears and they consumed all of those dollars, their track record is is that they will then need more. I mean, do these people not see that there will be taxes in the future? Do they not see that? Is it is it? Is it willful blindness? We got two minutes here. What What are your thoughts on on because it's coming? If the PFD disappears, there will inevitably be taxes on top of it. Are they just ignoring that or think? I think there's I think there's two things going on. I think I think the 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 leaders think they can stop taxes after the PFD is gone. I think they think they can draw a line and say, okay, we gave up the PFD. We gave up the middle and lower income Alaskans PFD. We gave up the PFD, uh, but we can stop spending now. We'll 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 cap spending. We'll 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 keep it we'll keep it uh, uh, steady from here on out. And in fact, 
the ADN editorial that I that that so enraged me uh, talks, in fact, about you know the spending cap that would that would you know would lead to the obliteration of the PFD, but then it'd be a spending cap from 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 there on out. So I think they one I think they think they can stop it. Two, I think they they think even if we can't stop it, at least we've lessened the impact on us on the top twenty percent. Uh, at least we've lessened the impact on us by taking away the PFD first, taking away things that that don't matter to us first. And yeah, we may pay a small tax, but it's a lot less than we would if we hadn't, you know, given up the PFD, given up middle and lower income Alaskan families PFD. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, great. Thank you for the infuriating morning. It was awesome, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brad. <laughs> Well, Michael, anytime I can, uh, can bring, 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 the, bring the knife. Bring the knife. That's right. Back with more. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. That's what that's what just flummoxes me on this whole deal is, again, looking at the track record, looking at the past performance, looking at the baked in escalators in the budget already. We know it's going to go up $100 million, $150 million a year every year. Um, regardless, even if, even if they just held it flat, it's going to go up every year. So we know that in just a short period of time, a couple, three, four years, they'll need that six, $700 million that they're giving us in the PFD right now. They'll need that on top of taking everything. So it's inevitable. It's in the future. And yet everybody acts like this will be the solution. We'll just take the PFD. It'll be fine. This is the ultimate game of kicking the can down the road. It is. I mean, I there, to some degree, they're convincing themselves. The ADN is 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 at the lead of this. They're convincing themselves they're going to get a spending cap. I mean, if you ask if you ask the ADN, do you support any fiscal measures? They would say yes. We support it. In fact, they say it in the editorial. We support a fiscal cap that includes the PFD. The effect of including the PFD is to raise the the amount of the cap. So you. So when the PFD is consumed, you have more spending overall. But they, but, but they want a fiscal cap, a spending cap, that they believe will protect them from ever having to pay taxes on the other side. It gives up the PFD. It gives up the thing that's important to middle and lower income Alaska families, but it protects the top 20% non-residents, the old companies, from, from taxes on the other side. So they're, they're, they're thinking, their thinking is we're going to protect ourselves we're going to you know, throw the middle and lower income Alaska families overboard uh, and throw the PFD overboard, but we're going to protect ourselves through, uh, through this spending cap. And, I, and, and that's, I think that's what they've convinced themselves of. But again, as I say, even if they would tell, they would say, even if we don't do that, even if the cap doesn't protect us, the taxes we're going to pay are going to be small because We've 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 thrown the middle and lower income Alaska families. We've thrown the PFD overboard um, uh, first, and so they they're going to suffer. Middle and lower income Alaska families are going to suffer huge tax rates, but but our tax the tax rates when they finally get to us, the tax rates are going to be small. They're probably I mean they probably are deluding themselves. If we have this show ten years from now, we're all going to be in trouble. But but if we have this show ten years from now, uh, we'll probably look back and say, oh, wasn't that stupid? They thought they could stop it. They couldn't. And now the tax rates are high on everybody, um, them included. Uh, but, but that's what they're telling themselves now. They, they think they can stop it through, 
through this spending cap that James Kaufman and, and, you know, and, and others uh, are pushing and the, and the ADN's pushing and Natasha pushed in her, in her last days. That's what's important to them. Get that spending cap, throw the PFD overboard, but get that spending cap to protect us against, uh, against taxes uh, going forward. And of course, <clears throat> and it, it only, Rob makes the point, it's, uh, it only works if it's constitutional. The spending cap only works if it's constitutional. You don't get that without settling the PFD too. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, and that's the push we're seeing. We saw what happened with Will Stapp. We saw the, the spending cap come out of the house and at the last minute get that addendum of including the PFD under the same cap. It's all part and parcel of trying to take down the permanent fund. That's the, the dividend. That's what it all comes down to. You know, Rob's point was was an excellent point, and it goes back to our first issue, which is why the hell is Kathy Tilton giving up on a comprehensive plan? Right. I mean, Rob's point is you're only going to get X if you if somebody else gets Y. This is only going to work if everybody comes together and and gives a little bit and and truly has a comprehensive fiscal plan. People are holding back out, you know, and holding their holding their breath, saying, "I'm going to get mine." I don't care about yours. I'm going to hold out for mine. They're just not, as Rob points out, they may get it in statute, but the statute's going to be wiped out. Right. Down the road. Exactly. His number two is number two. That was his first point. A spending cap can also fail and be repealed if the state keeps making money while the private sector fails. Again, going back to his original question of, is it really a good thing that we're funding government out of the permanent fund itself instead? Again, that disconnect between the public and the private sectors. Yeah. And that's that's why you need to have Rob on for his own for his own segment because he 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 speaks eloquently uh, to those issues. I have my own issues that I talk about, but 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 Rob speaks elo- eloquently to those issues, and they're and they're and they're equally or more important issues than than the ones I talk about. But it's it, to get this solution to get a solution, it's, it's got to be everything together. And I just you know Ben Carpenter to me, some people call him a right wing. You know, right wing nut. Uh, I think Matt Buxton had a piece this week that talked to him or talked about him as a right wing nut. Actually, Ben Carpenter, in terms of what's been proposed, is the most progressive member of the legislature. All the Democrats can talk about is PFD cuts. Ben has actually put a solution out there that's less regressive than PFD cuts in in his proposed in his proposed sales tax. Ben is actually, I think, putting together has really thought about these issues is putting together a comprehensive plan. And it's just sad to see Tilton uh, abandoning it um, halfway through her term. She didn't even get halfway through her term. Right. Uh, uh, abandoning it uh, uh, already. Well, it's, it's almost an admission of defeat, right? Because I can't corral the yeah. cats. So we're just going to let them run amok essentially is what she's saying. Exactly. I, and, and we'll try to press forward. And, 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 you know, and her attitude is let me press the one thing that I think my constituents want most. And so they'll think highly of me. Well, Kathy, if your constituents understand what's going on, they're going to think highly of you for pressing forward with a comprehensive plan. They're not going to think highly of you for, you know, taking a piece of it and letting everything else, you know, go, uh, go, go by, by the wayside. wayside. Yeah. Brad, thank you so much, my friend. As always, it's infuriating, but good. Thank you so much. Michael, I appreciate as always, it. thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, folks, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense Radio, we're ready to jump into it. Hour two is dead ahead. Don't go anywhere.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome back to Hour 2 of the Michael Dukes Show. Uh, We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who gave us our weekly (laughs) beatdown. Who gave us the, who gave us the maths? Who went out the, uh, as Anthony calls it, the now I'm angry at numbers talk. That's what he. That's what he came. That's what he came out with today. Um, it's always good to hear from. Uh, it's always good to hear from uh, Brad and and discuss these things. Uh, frustrating, but good. I mean, we at least have got some again some truth in numbers and uh, and what we can what we need to do. Let me tell you a couple of the things. And by the way, you can go back and listen to it. If you're just joining us now, good morning. Welcome to the program. You could have been a member of the six o'clock club by just getting up a little earlier. I mean, it doesn't give you anything other than bragging rights, but it would be good to see you in here. Thank you for coming in. But if you missed Brad's uh, talk here in the last segment, uh, in the last hour, you can go ahead and you can listen to it on the podcast, which is available wherever you find good podcasts. Spotify is my favorite, but CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, whatever. Go ahead and grab a copy of the podcast. Um, Or you can go back and watch the replay on YouTube or Facebook as well. But two things that came out of uh, uh, two things that came out of uh, the show in my mind in this last uh, in this last hour, two different things. First and foremost, something that I've been warning about on this program for two decades, two going probably even before two decades because it would have been probably with the first run at the PFD 1999 when they did that first run and attempt to uh, to raid the PFD through their POMV scenario <clears throat> and uh that is is that that pot of money the permanent fund itself the corpus of the fund is just too juicy a target for them to ignore that it is too big a pot of money for them to not want to have access to it. That's the bottom line. They they yearn for that. They absolutely want to get their hands on it no matter what. And you could see now in this latest push the articles that are quoting people like Bert Stedman, who is talking about folding the ERA into the corpus of the fund. 
the concerted push by Devin Mitchell, who is the head of the Permanent Fund Corporation itself, in this opinion piece that he put out that Brad was talking about, where he was also talking about folding the ERA into the corpus and then just using the, the POMV draw from the corpus itself, the, the danger, I mean, this should be the red flashing warning light for all of us here in Alaska that this is the danger for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, it gives them full access to the corpus of the fund. Secondly, it solidifies that division between the public sector and the private sector, the, the economies that most states, well, in fact, I think all states, are tied to the to the to the private economy because the private economy has to do good to then provide the revenue for the state to operate. But in Alaska, we're in this very unique situation where because they draw the majority of revenues for state government from the permanent fund itself, they are completely divested and divorced from what's happening over in the private sector and they don't care. They, they really, to them, it does not matter. As long as the government spend and the, and the public sector is doing fine, their assumption is everything's fine. The state is fine. As long as we got that government spend going on and we're you know buying the contracts and working the corporate cronyism and propping up the social welfare net, as long as all those things are good, everything's good. And that is a very, very dangerous part to to place to be at absolutely a dangerous place to be at and we as a people are now you know kind of asleep at that switch we're not really first of all because it's kind of convoluted right most people are not taking the time to understand the workings of the permanent fund, the earnings reserve account, the corpus, how it all plays out, how the POMV works. They they have no concept or idea how any of that stuff works. They have they've not taken the time to do it because what well, people are busy and this might not be their focus and they're not really thinking about it. Meanwhile, government is what happens to you when you don't pay attention. If you take away the ERA, the earnings reserve account, you take away a tremendous amount of flexibility because you had a cash account that was easily accessible if you needed to do something in emergency basis or, or something else. You needed to have some of that cash flow. That would all be gone. It would now be basically run into the corpus, and it would only be that single POMV draw per year. It, it, it's dangerous, people. Danger. I mean, I just cannot stress enough how scary it is that that is the direction that they want to take us. That it truly then does become an endowment fund. It truly becomes a sovereign wealth fund where the entire state is then funded out of that. And they, in their infinite wisdom, because they've done such a bang up job, the legislatures over the last 20 years have done such a bang up job of, of taking care of, uh, of the state government and spending and everything else, that they somehow magically are going to be able to govern themselves and put blinders on and hold back and do, and you know, not, not overspend and do all these other things. When they have this tremendous 80 70 80 billion dollar pot of money in front of them it's it's i mean this is 
the danger zone. Right? This is this is where we should be paying as much attention as we possibly could. The rumblings are the saber rattling is already going on. The articles are coming out. I mean, what was it? It was a, a month ago that the ADN was quoting Bert Stedman talking about this. Uh, that how we needed to eliminate the ERA and fold everything into the corpus and have a constant, just do it. We need to take care of all those things. And now you've got the Devin Mitchell piece where the Permanent Fund Corporation is definitely on board with that plan. Where they will have a bigger stake and say in state government because they will control the purse strings overall. This is this this is a scary scary moment when you think about it from that perspective. So that was one of the first things that popped out at me. The second thing that popped out at me that I talked with Brad about there just a little bit at the end is that I cannot believe I don't know if it's naivete, if it's willful blindness, if it's just misplaced hope but the idea that many of these people who are supposedly who are supposedly fiscal conservatives look at what's going on in the government they look at what's going on in the budget and they turn around and say well you know what we'll just give up our pfd apparently not never taking a moment to realize the history of the pfd its foundations, its providence, where it came from, that it is literally Alaskans' individual share of the oil wealth because we're an owner state, if they just want to ignore those facts and figures, and they basically look in the eye and just say, well, we just need to give up the PFD so that we can avoid taxes. That's the I'm boiling down the argument into a nutshell. We just need to give up the PFD to avoid taxes of any kind, because the the flip side of that is we don't want to be pat to be taxed to pay the PFD. Right, that's that's the direction that they're going. So what they're saying is we are more than willing to give up the PFD to avoid a tax. If you're listening to this program right now, or you're a staffer for one of the legislators, or you're you're a legislator, or somebody listening on the podcast later on, if you're listening, do me this favor. Take just take this moment right now. I want you to have 90 seconds of intellectual honesty with yourself. Just a moment of clarity. Put everything else aside. Stop what you're doing. Listen to this closely and do this for me. If you are a person that is that believes what I just said, that it's we need to really just give up on this idea of the PFD. We need to give up on the PFD to prevent us from paying taxes. If that is your argument, for 60 seconds, I want you to just consider the future. What happens if we just gave up the PFD right now? Just gave it up. No $1,000. Forget about the $3,000. No $1,000 PFD. That $700 million that they just, they, they're going to pay out next week to each one of us, that, no, that stays in the government coffers. Now, we know 
that if nothing else changes, if there are no increases, if they hold the line at spending, they just basically say it's flat from now on. We know that government is going to grow by 100 to $150 million every year. Let's just say it's $100 million. With absolutely flat spending, nothing increases, nothing changes. That means in five years, we will have a $500 million increase and we'll be We'll be in deficits. We'll be approaching deficits. In seven years, we'll be at even. Now, again, that's assuming seven years of flat funding, which is never going to happen. Again, be intellectually honest with yourself. Do you think that that's going to happen? The answer to that is no. It's not going to flat fund for seven years. So sometimes between now, when they eliminate the PFD, and seven years from now, we will be in deficits. What do you think is going to happen then? There will be taxes. There will have to be taxes. And I guarantee you long before that, you'll start to hear from the legislature, well, you know, Alaskans really need to pay their fair share. They're really getting, you're really getting a free ride because they're again, living off the largesse of the investments from the permanent fund, they've taken the PFD and everything else, you're really getting a free ride. And you and Alaskans should really pay their fair share. That, I mean, that's the direction we're going. If they were intellectually honest with themselves, if they took that 60 seconds or that 90 seconds that I just talked about and really thought about it and extrapolated it out, looked at past performance of the legislature, looked at things like baked in increases in the formulas and everything else, they would all come to the same conclusion that if they took the PFD today, I probably within less than five years, we would be talking about taxes again. So either they are being willfully blind, they are being calculatingly avoiding, right? They're, they're avoiding the issue. They're kicking the can down the road in a calculation of, well, I'm only going to be in the legislature for a couple more years, and then I'm going to leave, and I'll, I'll take whatever I can, and I might leave the state, or I might, you know, they, they're, they're either being calculating or they're being willfully blind. That's what's going to happen. And I can guarantee you, I would lay a hundred real dollars on the table to tell you that in the future, the commentary will revolve around the idea of, well, Alaskans really need to pay their, you know, you guys aren't really paying anything. You're not really paying anything. You, you, you know, we get it for free and we should pay our fair share now. So we should be like every other state and pay taxes. It's, it's coming. Between the merger of the ERA and the corpus, giving them access to the majority of the fund, and the fact that they want to take all of the PFD, which will inexorably lead to taxes, I don't see how either of those two things can work out. I don't see how either of those two things can be good in the future. And what happens to the private sector? as they continue to focus on the public sector spend, and it doesn't matter what happens outside of that. We'll be back. 
Uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines for the next segment. Chris Story coming up at the end of the show today. The final segment, Hour 2, continues. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. This is where we're going. You know? This is where we're going right now. We will be a state where the only businesses that remain in the private sector are the ones that serve the public sector. Every other business will be an afterthought or be a, you know, a revolving door of open and shut businesses who are trying to make it in the in the in the public in the uh, private economy. But because they don't, you know, capitulate or they don't serve the public economy, there'll be no stability to it. It will be a horrific thing. And if they were intellectually honest with themselves, all these people who continue to go on and on about taxes or the PFD, they make it the the versus argument, which ultimately what they're saying is, oh, I'm willing to give up the PFD. So as long as I don't have to pay taxes, you will still pay taxes. It's inevitable. All you've done is delay the inevitable by 36 months, 48 months, maybe. That's it. Pay your fair share. That's right, Herder. Herder says, oh, there it is. Pay your fair share. That's exactly the argument that you're going to hear. Oh, Alaskans really need to pay their fair share. They've gotten a free ride for so long. Yeah. We just, it, there is, it's, yeah. So are we supposed to trust our state? Uh, here's uh, Elena. Are we supposed to trust our state government when they say give up our PFDs so we don't have to pay taxes? We're supposed to just trust the federal government when they say we're going to borrow against your Social Security, but they'll pay us back? Yeah, something smells a little funny. I mean, they're two different things, but it's the same kind of idea. Somehow, in doing one thing, they're going to gain this ultimate fiscal stability and responsibility. If you just give up the PFD, we'll learn to live within our means. We haven't lived within our means for 40 years. We haven't done a great job fiscally for 40 years. But if you just give us this one more thing, all of a sudden, we will find religion. Hallelujah. Fiscal conservancy. That's what it's all about. And then we insult and disenfranchise the next generation by stealing their birthright in the permanent fund. Absolutely. Somebody made a comment earlier that that I, I didn't get to, but it was basically Alaskans where they even tax little children. And that was somebody said here. I'm look, I'm scrolling backwards here to see who said. I mean, it was just kind of this poignant little jab that is a hundred percent right. Alaskans, where we even tax the little children. Because that's what they're doing. They're taxing the little children. They're taxing the elderly. Somebody else said their elder parent is struggling because they own their house and everything else, but the cost of everything is going up, insurance and all this, and they've got to decide whether to heat, eat, or drive. 
that they're taxing the elderly and the children. That's awesome. That's Alaska in a nutshell. Again, it is the biggest tax. Um, a cut to the PFD is a tax, the most regressive tax ever proposed. ICER Professor Matthew Berman said that. Let's be honest. A cut in the PFD is a tax, the most regressive tax ever proposed. And their answer is, well, we don't need the PFD because we don't want taxes. You're already being taxed. At least that money is doing some good as it's going through your fingers. But no, let's just get all of it to government and that will avoid a tax. That's it. That's the magic bullet. That's the panacea that will keep us from, oh, what? Wait, three years later, four years later, now you need more taxes? Okay. Uh, Wait, I thought we avoid this whole thing. All right. I didn't turn on the phone lines. Damn it. All right. I got to turn on the phones real quick. And we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and follow. Let's let's get to it. Here we go. Uh, Right now. Right now. Right now. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show continues. We are coming into one segment. Uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us at the end of the show today. We've moved Chris's segment to the end of the show because once I get that PMA positivity boost, I hate Kevin to come and try and come back and Talk about other things. I'm just so, now I'm calm, right? Now I'm all calmed about it. Uh, All right, I've opened up the phone lines for this segment. If you want to comment on anything that Brad talked about or what I was just talking about and give me your thoughts on it, maybe you have a counterpoint. Maybe you think, no, no, no. If we give up the PFD, it will be fine. I know there's some of you out there. I've spoken to some of you that would be like, no, no, giving up the PFD is fine. Um. Because, you know, it's just free government money anyway. It's just a welfare check. And I'd rather do that than have to pay taxes. I mean, that's, I've, I've again, seen some of your commentary, and I understand that that's where you're coming from. So maybe you've got a counterpoint on this that you would like to share with us. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear... I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this um, and give me your thoughts. Because, again, I mean, I'm not Kreskin the Magnificent, but I can see that this is that this is where we're this is where we're going, that it'll be just a a few short. uh, It'll be just a few short, you know, years 
or months in some cases where we will then be asked <laughs> gently and politely or chastised for not paying our fair share and just living off the largesse of government. Oh, you guys, you've gotten such a free. I literally had somebody um, who is, well, it, it's in the, in the it's in the Natasha von Imhoff class of folks around town. You know, very uh, successful, wealthy Republican, and and basically t- about 15, 20 years ago, he said that to me. Oh, we're getting all getting a free ride, getting a free ride for sure. Uh, we don't have to pay. Ta- you haven't paid any taxes. You, you're getting a free. Re- and when I started throwing things like, well, all the oil revenue and the royalty, the government's taking all that. That's a stealth tax and blah, blah, blah. And he's, well, but you didn't see it. You didn't feel it. He goes, it's still a tax. That money is still going directly into government hands. Money that it should be due to me as an owner of the resource. And then they can tax me on it and I can keep the difference. Don't tell me that I'm not paying for it. Don't tell me that we're getting a free ride. We're not. We're, we're That's what the permanent fund dividend was all about, was sharing, getting our share of the oil wealth instead of giving it all to government. Hammond recognized what the danger was in that, in giving it all to government. He recognized that. That's why the permanent fund dividend was created. All right, let's go over to the phones and see if there's a counterpoint out there to what we're talking about today and uh, get some feel. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Al from Fairbanks. Hey, Al, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, I guess you kind of hit on it. I was I was going to just reiterate that, uh, you know, us give if we gave up our permanent fund dividend check, it's a tax in itself. So you're already being taxed at a higher rate than, say, an income tax or a sales tax. And that's every man, woman, and child. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's been Brad's point the whole time when he's talked about a flat tax, is that you're already being taxed, but it's not inequitable. It is the most regressive tax that you could be. It hits the hardest. It hits the lower and mid middle income families the hardest. That's been his point the entire time. That some other form of tax, a flat exactly. tax or something like that, would be more equitable. But we're already being taxed. So if they take all of the PFD, it's 100% tax on the PFD. And again, it hurts those in the middle and lower incomes the most than any other point. That's always been what he said, what he's been, the point he's been making. All right. Thank you. We're getting up. I'm getting a feedback on you. All right. Well, thank you. uh, Thank you, Alan. Appreciate you uh, calling in and being part of it today. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Three one five zero. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this. Uh, again, going back to the editorial from the ADN editorial board, which is made up of, by the way, Ryan Binkley, Annie, Andy Pennington, and Tom Hewitt. Um, that's the editorial board. And they wrote this piece um, about, with a headline, the Alaska legislature's fiscal short-sightedness wears thin, which... I agree with the headline. Their fiscal short-sightedness. Now, I disagree with the direction or the solution that the editorial board at the ADN is offering. Their basic issue here is just take the PFD. 
That's the bottom line of what they're saying. Just take the PFD. And I love how they cast the blame and the and the assertions on those of us who have been fighting for a full PFD and for fiscal restraint in the state. They act like we're the cause, that those of us that have wanted them to follow the law. My God, when did it become so, uh, you know, uh, uh, unbelievable that you would want them to follow the law? Despite the mega PFD hardliners. Oh, you mean the mega PFD? You mean the people who want to follow the law as it's written or change the law? One of the two. The mega PFD hardliners attempt to don the mantle of fiscal conservatism our attempt to don the mantle, they've been perfectly happy to spend $18 billion in state savings over the past decade. Show us where we were happy about that. We have been crying and squawking. We have made the most noise about that. See, they're mixing the two classes up, the two, the Republicans who are more than happy to spend and the Republicans who are like, no, stop the spending, cut the size and scope of government, pay the full PFD. Those are two separate camps and you're mashing them together into this milkshake of madness. That was weird. But I mean, that's what you're doing here. The mega PFD hardliners are perfectly happy to spend $18 billion in state savings. No, we weren't happy. But if uh, your audience believes it, I guess that's all that matters, right? As long as your audience believes. Let's go back uh, over to the phone here and see what uh, you guys uh, have to say. Good morning. Uh, Who's this and where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Go ahead, Randy. Tell us uh, what's on your mind. Okay. Uh, Um. Um, I just had a hypothetical question. You know how some people say that a cut in the PFD is a tax. You know, I don't believe it's a true tax. But my hypothetical question, oh, my, my echo coming back. Anyway, my hypothetical question is, as, as you may know, there was an original PFD program that was signed into law by Governor Jay Hammond on April 15, 1980, <clears throat> and that was the 1980 PFD plan. That was the original PFD However, it never really got rolling because the Zobels uh, sued and because it gave more money to long-term residents than it did to the Zobels, who were just here for only about a year. And my, but my question is, that original PFD did not give uh, PFDs to kids. No one under 18 got a PFD. So my question is, if that PFD plan had, continue, had not been sued and had not been stopped and had continued to the present day, would you say that the uh, Alaska kids have, would have been taxed all these years? I don't know if I would say the children have, if, it, if they had continued, no. I don't think I would have based on the way that it was structured. But since it was restructured and paid to everyone who has had a year residency, then I would say that that is true because that that is money the way that the law was originally structured, that that is a fair and equitable value of that, I guess. That would be that would be the direction that I would go at this point. Yeah, I would agree that it would not be proper to say the kids were taxed because no actual money was pulled out of their little pockets and taken by the government. But you could also, if that's true, you could also say that 
a PFD cut does not involve the taking of any money out of someone's pocket, you know, it doesn't give them the money in the first place, the amount that, of the cut, but it doesn't actually take money that was in their pocket out of their pocket. And so, therefore, it's not a true tax, in my view. Well, I mean, again, uh, the mental gymnastics that you have to run through to justify that, Randy, I think is part of the problem. I'll go with what Matthew Berman, the professor at ICER, said, the largest, most aggressive tax on Alaskans, period. That's what he said. He's an economist. He, I mean, I think he makes a valid point. Uh, appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Let's go over here to the next call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Willie Keppel out in Quinnahaw. Hey, Willie, what's on your mind, sir? Well, I've been, like everybody else, listening to listening to the show this morning, and I'm frustrated, too. And we keep hearing kind of a different perspective out here on the West Coast where nobody ever hears anything anywhere else in Alaska what we're doing out here. And I like the way the conversation is, has shifted over the years. A few years ago, right after uh, the Walker, the Walker theft, and which was orchestrated by by the Senate, Senator Lyman Hoffman being being the prime, I believe the prime suspect in the theft of the of writing SB twenty one. Um, it was always Tiffany Zolkowski. She's no longer our rep, thank God. But anyway, her her famous line that she kept repeating, repeating, repeating is, we have to take the PFD to save the PFD. And what they did, in essence, was they moved two years. There was over two years they moved over $4 billion of your permanent fund money. This is Tiffany's. We're taking your PFD money. And we're saving it because they moved it over to the corpus. And so then eventually down down through the time, all of a sudden they go, well, we have to inflation-proof the corpus. And so now it's turned from, hey, we're stealing your PFD to pay you a PFD somewhere along the line in the future to, nope, that's out the window. Now we're stealing the PFD to inflation-proof the corpus. And here we go. Now we're going, we have to have all of the PFD so that we can put everything, take everything out of the corpus if we can only convince you to be dumb enough to allow us to do that with a constitutional amendment, which is what they're working for. I, the shift just keeps going and going and going. Right. It never ends up. And out of this, the one thing that I really like, if there was at least one honest statement that's ever come out of the Alaska legislature, we've been playing this clip out here on Facebook on our side of the state, pretty regular here recently because of the PFD and the theft this year. But it's Representative Bryce Edgman when he was King Edgman, Speaker of the House. And we, the clip we have is he's referring to the PFD. We're, this is a, I'm putting air quotes on it because it's an actual quote. We're taking it with or without the public's consent. That right there tells you everything. And I mean, it, if there was ever an honest statement, there it is. And this was like from when Bryce was Speaker of the House. So we've been through at least three years now since since that happened. But that's my right. two cents worth on it this morning is just the shift. All right. 
Well, I appreciate it, Willie. Thank you. I I agree. Uh, that That's definitely a troubling piece. All right, we're coming up on the break. I got one other line, and then Chris Story is coming up. I'll talk to this line uh, on uh, off the air on hold while we're there. Let's jump back into it. We're going to be back here in just a moment with the final segment of the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, let me go to the phones real quick here before we get Chris on the line and see what this last caller has to say. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Hey, Jeff. I'm not in Homer. I'm still in Maine. Still How are you? Good, sir. Good. What's on your mind? Quickly here. Well, I was uh, listening to the PFD discussion, and, and uh, you know, I heard uh, the other fellow talking about it's not a tax. Of course, it's a tax. It's money you don't get in your pocket. And the one thing that you can tell everybody is when the government taketh away, they never give it back, and uh, they're good at taking your freedoms and your money, and they like to call it not a tax so they're uh, really good at that so that's that's a that's a given there for me and uh you know this this pfd thing they're going to fight it until they get it all and that's how they that's how they roll so beware everybody and yeah. don't even think that they're going to give it back to you if they take it away. no no they're going to take it away and then what will yeah. happen is they'll take it away and then in the long run uh, they'll be more. They'll be more on top of it. They'll they'll take it away, and then a couple short years later, we'll have taxes on top of it because that's the nature of government. It's going to grow. It's going to increase, and they're going to outstrip uh, their current resources uh, after taking the full PFD. And they'll be looking at you, going, "Hmm, you've got some money. Let's talk to you." And that's when we'll start hearing about paying your fair share argument. Yep, that's uh, that's the truth right there. Yeah. There's All right, Jeff. Are you are you are you coming? Can get them to agree with. Are you coming back to Homer uh, soon, Jeff? Are you staying that, in Maine for a while, or what are you doing? Well, got all these grandkids and trying to get things settled. Uh, I may be back here sometime soon. I'm not really sure. Um, seems to run itself. You know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm all gonna right. say in it sometimes. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. We'll be back. It's good to hear from you. Thank you for calling in and joining us. All right. Uh, that clears up all the lines. In fact, I'm going to close the lines down now for the remainder of the show. Goodbye. And goodbye. And uh, let's uh, let's get let's get Chris uh, on board here and see if we can uh, get him uh, get him squared away and get things ready to go. Come on. There we go. There we go. Morning, Michael. Good morning, my friend. How are you? That's a tough act to follow. That main accent is fantastic. Oh, isn't it just great? It's uh, it's an accent that I've struggled to try and emulate a couple times, and it's just wicked hard. Wicked hard. That's what I'm saying right now. Um, that's more like Boston. Maybe I know that Boston. is. Again, it's not. It's northeastern, but it's definitely not Maine. Maine is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, I've, I've... It's laid back and yet erudite. It's every man and yet sophisticated. Wow. You use these big words. I got to go look those up here in a minute um, and figure out what exactly you were trying to say there. Uh, all right. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, I don't have my, <clears throat> my, my phone is across the desk here. What is our, our topic for today? Remind me again. What is it? Promise and price. Promise and price. That's what it's or all about. Or the price of a promise. The price of a promise, one way or the other. That's what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this and see uh, what we can do here. Uh, we are about two minutes out. How was your weekend, by the way? Are you uh, all ready for winter? No, but that's months <laughs> away. Why would you even talk about it? It's you, months away. What's wrong with you? Why are you such a pessimist Weeks. during this segment? Isn't uh, that for Brad's segment? I'm sorry, Chris. It. I hate to. I. I don't want to be a, the realist here. I want. I don't want to burst your optimistic bubble. But you know, they. In fact, they just notified today that today is one of the. It's 30 degrees at my house. Uh, temperatures at record lows is what it's saying right now, which means that we That's will. Because you drive an SUV. Yeah, it must be because I drive an SUV. So it, it. I mean, I'm just going to say the white stuff is going to be here sooner than you think. So what you're saying is. Yeah, but it's 40 not, degrees right here on top of the world. 40 yeah, degrees. So but you're we, not. You're not ready. No. You're what you're saying is you're not ready no. for winter. Is what you're saying. Not in the least. Not in the least prepared. I'm always ready, whatever the weather. But I'm just not prepared. So I'll have to get my camper and other things situated, you know, the lawn, all that. You, be, you better hurry. That's all I'm saying. Mm. You better. <laughs> Winter is coming. Uh, be ready for it. Uh, 40 degrees in Homer. Likes you. Bill says 27 in Anchor Point, which just, again, goes to show you that you ought to live in Homer because it's nice uh, out there. Anchor Point's the place to be, though. It's the place to invest. It's, I mean, come wow. on. Wow, I know. It's, there's it's a, a lot of stuff going on up in Anchor Point. I mm -hmm. was watching something the other day, and I was like, holy cow, there is some real moving and shaking going up down there. It's where it's at, but just keep that between you and me. All right. I want just me, you, and 50 of our closest friends on the Internet. We're, that will be fine. We'll okay. keep that between ourselves. All right, Chris, I'm going to put you back on hold. We're going to be to you here in just a hot second. Chris Story is our guest. Promise and price, or the price of a promise, is what he's going to be talking with us about today. Denise says, Chris, can you just talk us off the edge today? I'm, we'll see if he can do that for us. Just talk us off the edge. That's what it's about. Please like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Uh, do all the youtube -y stuff and the Facebook stuff and all that stuff. Let's get it going on. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Okay, welcome back to the program. Christopher Story is our guest, the man from Homer. That's right, the man, the myth, the legend in his own mind. Uh, he comes in every day, uh, every week to, uh, every week, every day, every day of the week, uh, to bolster us, to, as Denise said, talk us off the ledge. I just feel like today we're like brushing right up against the edge of insanity. And uh, he's here to talk us down uh, about this. The price of a promise. Promise and price is his topic for the day. Good morning, my friend. How is you today? Well, to be honest, if I'm to talk one off the ledge, I could do it in a single word. 
Jump! Jump, yeah, I know. If I was on the ledge, you'd definitely be yelling at me, go ahead, jump. Um, (laughs) Jump. I want to get this over with. I got a lunch meeting in 20 minutes. Um, All right, uh, Chris, what is, uh, you know, promise and price? Give us us the rundown here. What exactly are you uh, talking about? Well, it's the time of year where I, I look in my library and I look and say, okay, what... There's a certain number of books that I like to reread or at least re-familiarize myself with uh, every year. And sometimes it'll be cover to cover, and sometimes it'll just be dip in and dip, duck, dodge, dive into a book or two to, to really just sort of reset. Not the great reset. Hold on. Just reset my mind, especially as we transition into a different season. Okay, that means it's Jim Rohn season. And I'm reading actually two, The Seasons of Life and uh, How to Live an Extraordinary Life, and also listening to a collection of his recorded works. He was such an amazing person. He had these little lines like this one I'm about to repeat to you that could be life changing if you absorb it. And here's what he said. If you knew the promise was real, you'd pay the price. You'd be willing to pay the price if you knew and you truly believed that the promise was real. For example. If you're looking at an investment and you say, boy, the price is too high, uh, call it a home for 500000 Oh, my God, the price is just too high. But if you knew that the promise of a future value was $1.3 million, you'd pay the price right now. If you knew, let's say, for example, you want better health or fitness, and the promise, if the promise of more energy, vitality, longer life, if this was all 100% guaranteed, that promise, would you be willing to pay the price, which is to get up earlier, to jog or walk or eat a healthier diet, take the stairs, not the elevator. So if you truly believed in the promise, you'd be willing to pay the price. And that's such a simple little phrase. And yet it could mean the difference between where you are and where you want to go. Uh, I mean, I think... That's a give. I mean, first of all, there's no guarantees in life, but I see your point that if you absolutely knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you gave somebody 50 that they would return 500 to you uh, in a week, you're even if you're the price. Yeah. Even if you're low on gas and don't have any groceries in the cupboard, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So the question is, how do you discern promises that are that are true and those that are not. I mean, that's the crux of living, isn't it, at this point? That there are no guarantees. So, I mean, what what is faith. it? So, faith. It's faith, belief, and do you really want it? Uh, you better be careful about what it is you say you want because that's what your mind is going to set an expectation for. And we know that the real disappointment in life lives in the gully between expectation and reality. If you set up an expectation that you don't believe in, and you set an expectation for yourself you're not willing to pay the price for, the promise is false, you'll feel disappointed, even if you've made measurable progress by anybody other, anybody else's uh, standard, anybody else's standard, but you're wrong. So you've got to pay the price for the promise you really want, and if you believe and you have faith in it, let's say America, for example, is a promise. I've inherited, you've inherited this promise, and uh, with with the exception of maybe a few people listening, we probably haven't paid a price for it. It was handed to us. It was an, an inheritance. And as you know, which is what, to Denise's point, America's in jeopardy. If we believe in the promise of America and the individual sovereignty, then we must be willing now to pay a price. If we knew that we could keep her for another 250 years, if we could keep 
America and the promise of individual sovereignty alive for another 250 years, I think we'd be willing to pay a price and we'd stop picking leaders on pork promises. How much will Dan Sullivan bring home to Alaska? That's all he's got to rest upon. Imagine Dan Sullivan cared as much about our southern border, as he's now proclaiming he does, as he does about the Ukrainian border. He was on Canadian broadcasting complaining at the slowness of getting the F-16s over to Ukraine, and now he's co-sponsoring some southern border stuff. We'll see. We'll see. He has yet to get to the bottom of the Afghanistan retreat and withdrawal that killed 13 soldiers and left a disaster and untold amounts of devastation in Afghanistan. Uh, that's yesterday's news. He's moved on to Ukraine. The point is, you and I have to be willing to pay the price. No more pork promises. We have to be willing to pay the price for America if she's to continue. Same with Alaska and the permanent fund, as you've been proclaiming here for years, we've got to be willing to pay the price. That means that we have to take a stand and pay a price for a promise we truly believe in. This is personal, but it's also political. It's geopolitical. It's national. It's local. You are the difference. And if you believe in the promise, you'd be willing to pay for the price. I'm. What is a pork pie promise? You said pork pie promise. Pork promise is how much is he going to bring back to Alaska? Lisa, yeah. Yeah. Dan, uh, prior to that, her father, prior yep. to that, Ted Stevens, may rest in peace. Uh, but Ted, of course, wielded a lot of power. What's interesting is I interviewed a guy called Mark Halpin in my Backyard Millionaire series recently. And Mark Halpin was imprisoned along with the, uh, the Tomes brothers in 1985, I think it was, in, in Russia. And it was Ted Stevens who got them released. He worked along with Ronald Reagan, and they got those guys released from a Russian prison. I think about the the Hoopers, the Hoopers here in Homer, who had the FBI break down their door and incarcerate them in their own home for five hours. Sullivan's done nothing. Uh, Murkowski's done nothing. Patola's done nothing. These people have yet to be exonerated in our own backyard. But these people will come back, and and Sullivan will bring Ted Ted Cruz back up and parade around Alaska and get get votes and promise the pork again. It's enough enough. I believe in America so much so that I'm willing to pay the price of sending a freshman to D.C. next time right. that will do something different. And But I'm just, that's off topic. My real point is, what are you going to do? What are you, what's your promise that you believe in so much so you're today willing to pay the price? Because that's the only way the promise will come true. So how do we discern that? I mean, again, a promise, because you're right, if we knew if the promises were guaranteed, We knew something was absolutely – I mean, at that point, it's not just a promise. It's ironclad. It is a guarantee, not a promise. But how do we discern? How do we figure out what is – I mean, do we – is it it all come back to mindset or is there some other way, a yardstick that you use when you're looking at – whether it's investment or real estate or something else? I mean, how do you – how do you discern the the pie crust promises, easily made, easily broken, from – the guarantee promises. How do you do that? Well, you can look at history. You can look around you. For example, Wallace D. Waddles in 1911 wrote The Science of Getting Rich. And in it, he said, if there's one person in your state getting rich, doing something you wish to do, then it's available to you. There is no monopoly on that success. It's available to you. Just taking money in an example or investments. If there's one person that's doing something that you, if there's, let's just say that you want to run a marathon, thousands of people run marathons every year, it's possible for you to do the same. If you wish to have a better job or start a business or buy a business or something, if somebody else has done it, then you can use that as an example and say, ah, it is possible. 
It's right. like the first person to to the Wright brothers set the example to the rest of the world. Flight is possible. Now right. you know that well, promise has been made. It's up to you to keep it. And maybe now is the time to reach out to that person and ask if they would mentor you. I mean, really, if somebody else has done it, Absolutely. go go find their blueprint. And you, you're right. The Wright brothers. What was the other thing that's kind of like that? Oh, the four minute mile. Remember when they said no human could mm -hmm. ever run the four minute mile? Your heart would explode. You'd die. You'd expire. You couldn't possibly do it. And after the first guy broke the four minute mile within the next six, eight, ten months, another dozen people had done it. Up until that point, it was thought yeah. to be impossible. But once you have yeah. a, a trailblazer, you can do it. 60 seconds. Final thoughts, Chris. You're, you're to your point, Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile. Suddenly, hundreds of people followed in his footsteps. Look around, find a promise that you're willing to pay a price for, and just trust and have faith that it's real and that it's available to you and it, it really is it will be up to you you get to take the promise but then you have to pay the price right and be careful what you what you plan for what you wish for what you say your goals are because your brain your subconscious will make it happen mm -hmm. the universe will make it happen and sometimes you're not prepared for it in the you say it's what you want but was it really that was the question uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, author of the book, The Backyard Millionaire, available at ilovehomeralaska.com. Chris, hold the line for just a second. Folks, we are out of time. Tomorrow, we've got guests coming on, Adam Bertoldo and Lindsay Bertoldo from uh, the Kenai Peninsula. We'll see you then. That's the thing, Chris, though. You do have to be careful what you not wish for, but what you set your mind on, what your goals are, because... You could inadvertently set yourself on a path that you may may or may not be ready for in the long run. Well, it's that, but I think equally as devastating is the notion of the disappointment. You know, if you ever read back over a goals list that you wrote a year or two or ten ago and you realize, oh, I had such big aspirations. I had these these ideals and these big dreams and I was reaching for the brass ring and, man, I never reached it. But then you have to ask, wait a minute. Did, did I even really want it? Did I ever even really care about that thing? Because like I said, that that gulf between expectation and reality can live disappointment in an otherwise successful, meaningful, and wonderful life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is why it's important for goal setting, writing things down, understanding, and then going on faith. You, It's the old adage of, uh, you know, Pray like it depends on him and work like it depends on you. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You got to pay attention yep. to all that stuff. Chris, my first year in radio, yeah. I, I set a goal to, to guest host the Rush Limbaugh show. I thought, oh, this is it, man. I'm going to guest host the Rush. I'm going to set a goal for that. And then it was like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's not what I. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. Yeah, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment, pal. Yeah. There should be some realism in there and uh, and realize what it's really all about. All right, well, Chris Story, thank you, my friend. As always, great to hear from you. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you for the positivity. Thank you, Michael. All right, folks, we are out of time for today. We got more coming up uh, tomorrow. Again, Lindsay and Adam Bertoldo are going to be joining us. He's running for the borough assembly. She's running for the school board down on the KPB. That should be an interesting discussion, hour one, hour two, and more. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.